are listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four-volume, over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. If you would like to discuss today's reading, head on over to Facebook, and there find the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast group, and you'll be able to share your own reflections on today's readings with other followers and listeners. Now, let us thank God for the life of Venerable Maria of Agreda. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaimed the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example and holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sor Maria, teach us how to pray and meditate. Teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady. Teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir a flame in our hearts the same missionary fervor of Sor Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 172. We are reading from Volume 2, Book 4, Chapter 22, Paragraphs 619 to 629. Chapter 22. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph begin the journey to Egypt, accompanied by the angelic spirits. They arrive at the city of Gaza. 619. Our heavenly pilgrims left Jerusalem and entered upon their banishment, while yet the silence and obscurity of night held sway. They were full of solicitude for the pledge of heaven, which they carried with them into a strange and unknown land. Although faith and hope strengthened them, for in no other beings could these virtues be more firmly and securely established than in our queen and in her most faithful spouse. Nevertheless, the Lord afforded them occasion for anxiety. Their love for the infant Jesus would naturally excite in them anxiety and suffering on an occasion like this. They knew not what would happen during such a long journey, nor when it should end, nor how they would fare in Egypt, where they would be entire strangers, nor what comfort or convenience they would find there for raising the child, nor even how they would be able to ward off great sufferings from him on the way to Egypt. Therefore the hearts of these holy parents were filled with many misgivings and anxious thoughts when they parted with so much haste from their lodging place. But their sorrow was much relieved when the ten thousand heavenly courtiers above mentioned again appeared to them in human forms, and in their former splendor and beauty, and when they again changed the night into the brightest day for the holy pilgrims. As they set forth from the portals of the city, the holy angels humiliated themselves and adored the incarnate word in the arms of the Virgin Mother. They also encouraged her by again offering their homage and service, stating that it was the will of the Lord that they guide and accompany her on the journey. 6.20 To the afflicted heart, the least consolation seems precious. Hence this one, being in itself a great relief, comforted our queen and her spouse Joseph very much. They therefore entered upon their journey with good heart, choosing the way which led through the city gate in the direction of Nazareth. The heavenly mother longed to visit again the place of the nativity, in order to venerate the sacred cave and the crib which had offered shelter and hospitality to her most holy son 
at his entrance into the world. But the holy angels, knowing of her unspoken desire, said to her, Our queen and lady, mother of our creator, it behooves us to hasten on our journey without any delay. For on account of the escape of the Magi kings and their failure to return to Jerusalem, and on account of the words spoken by the priest Simeon and by Anne, the people have been roused to attention. Some of them have begun to say that thou art the mother of the Messiah, others that thou knowest of him, and others say that thy son is a prophet. Various rumors are also spread about concerning the visit of the kings in Bethlehem, and of all these things Herod is informed. He has commanded that you be sought after very carefully, and consequently a most diligent search is being made to find you. On this account the Most High has commanded you to fly at night, and with so much haste. 6.21 The Queen of Heaven yielded to the will of the Almighty, thus made known to her by the holy angels. She therefore reverenced from afar the sacred place of the birth of her only begotten, renewing the memory of the mysteries there wrought and the favors there received. The holy angels, who stood as guard of the sacred cave, approached them on their way in visible form and adored the incarnate word in the arms of his mother. As she was thus allowed to see this angel and speak to him, the heavenly lady was rejoiced and comforted still more. She would have also preferred to travel by way of Hebron, since it was only a short distance from the one they were now traveling, and Elizabeth was just at that time in that city with her son John. But the anxiety of St. Joseph, who was more timid, prevented also this diversion and delay. For he said to his heavenly spouse, My lady, I think it is extremely important that we do not delay our journey even for one instant, and that we hasten as much as possible to flee from the place of danger. Therefore it will not be prudent to go to Hebron, where they will find us more easily than in other parts of the country. Let it be according to thy pleasure, answered the humble queen. Yet I wish thou give me permission to send one of these celestial spirits to Elizabeth, in order to inform my cousin of the cause of our flight, so that she herself may protect her son, for the wrath of Herod is so roused that it will extend to him. 6.22 The queen of heaven knew of the design to murder the children, but she did not tell St. Joseph of it at that time. Here I must marvel at the obedience and humility of the Most Holy Mary, which was so exquisite and rare. For she obeyed St. Joseph not only in that which he commanded, but also in that which concerned herself alone, namely in the matter of sending an angel to St. Elizabeth, although she could have sent the angel by a mere wish, without even expressing it in words. She nevertheless preferred not to do so without permission, and in obedience to her spouse. I must confess my shame and my negligence, since having before my eyes the most pure fountain of waters— I do not satiate my thirst, nor profit by the light and the example before me. Though it is so vivid, so sweet, so powerful, and so attractive, in teaching us all to abjure our own reprehensible wills. With the permission of St. Joseph, then Most Holy Mary dispatched one of the principal angels of her guard, in order to notify St. Elizabeth of what was passing. As the sovereign of the angelic spirits, she instructed her messenger on this occasion, what he was to say to the holy matron, and to the child John. 6.23. The angel, according to the order and pleasure of the queen, proceeded to inform the fortunate and blessed Elizabeth of all these events, as far as was proper. He told her that the mother of God was fleeing before the wrath of Herod into Egypt, 
as this tyrant was now searching for the child in order to kill it. He warned her to see to the safety of St. John by hiding him in some place of refuge. He also manifested to her other mysteries of the Incarnate Word, according to the command of the Heavenly Mother. The Holy Elizabeth was filled with joy and wonder at this message, and she expressed her desire to meet and adore the infant Jesus, and to see his mother. Asking him whether they could be reached, the holy angel answered that this king and lord was passing with his mother at a distance from Hebron, and could not wait for her to visit. St. Elizabeth therefore gave up her project, overflowing with tender and tearful affection. She asked the angel to bring affectionate greetings to the son and mother. The angel then returned with his message to the queen. St. Elizabeth immediately dispatched a servant with some gifts, consisting in provisions, money, and material for clothing the infant. She foresaw their needs in a strange country, and instructed the servant to overtake them with haste. He met them in Gaza, which lies a little less than twenty hours from Jerusalem, on the river Basor, and on the road from Palestine to Egypt, not far from the Mediterranean Sea. 624. In this town they remained two days, for St. Joseph and the beast of burden which carried the queen were worn out by the fatigue of the journey. From that place they sent back to the servant of St. Elizabeth, taking care to caution him not to tell anyone of their whereabouts. But God provided still more effectually against the danger, for he took away from this man all remembrance of what St. Joseph had charged him to conceal, so that he retained only his message to St. Elizabeth. Most Holy Mary expended the presents sent by Elizabeth in entertaining the poor, for she, who was the mother of the poor, could not bear to pass them by unassisted. Of the clothes sent to her, she made a cloak for the divine infant, and one for St. Joseph, to shelter them from the discomforts of the season and of the journey. She also used other things in their possession for the comfort of her child and of St. Joseph. The most prudent virgin would not rely on miraculous assistance whenever she could provide for the daily needs by her own diligence and labor. For these matters, she desired to subject herself to the natural order and depend upon her own efforts. During the two days which they spent in that city, the most pure Mary, in order to enrich it with great blessings, performed some wonderful deeds. She freed two sick persons from the danger of death and cured their ailments. She restored to another person, a crippled woman, the use of her limbs. In the souls of many who met her and conversed with her, she caused divine effects of the knowledge of God and of a change of life. All of them felt themselves moved to praise their Creator. But neither Mary nor Joseph spoke a word about their native country, nor of the destination or object of their journey. For if this information had been added to the public notice caused by their wonderful actions, the attention of Herod's agents might have been drawn toward them, and they might have found sufficient inducement to follow them after their departure. 625. Words fail me to describe what I have been made to understand concerning the happenings during the journey of Jesus and Mary. Moreover, I fall short of the sentiments of reverence and piety which such admirable mysteries would require. The arms of the most pure Mary continually served as a delightful couch for the new and real King Solomon, Canticle 3.7. As she penetrated in spirit into the secret of the most holy humanity of Christ, it happened sometimes that the son and mother interchanged sweet colloquies and canticles of praise in honor especially of the infinite essence of God and of all his attributes and perfections. On these occasions, the Son of God favored his sovereign mother with new visions of intellectual clearness, 
in which she perceived the unity of essence in the three persons of God, the operations ad intra in the generation of the Word, and in the procession of the Holy Spirit. She perceived how the three are from eternity, and how the Word is generated by the operation of the eternal intellect, and the Holy Ghost is breathed forth in the operation of the will. How there is no need of any succession of before or after, but how all is from eternity, and how it happens that we conceive these operations with the idea of duration, or succession of time. She also perceived how these three persons comprehend each other by one and the same act of understanding, and how this comprehension includes the divinity of the incarnate word, united to the humanity, forming one person, and what effects this union produces the humanity. 626. Filled with this exalted knowledge, the great lady allowed her thoughts to descend from the divinity to the humanity and composed new canticles of praise and thanksgiving for the creation of the sacred humanity. Most perfect in soul and body, the soul in its plenitude and all possible abundance of wisdom, gifts and graces of the Holy Ghost. The body most pure and in the highest possible degree, well composed and complexioned. Then again she contemplated the exalted and heroic activity of all his faculties. And having in her soul imitated him therein, she passed on to bless and give him thanks for having made her his mother, caused her to be conceived without sin, chosen her out of thousands, enriched her with all the favors and gifts of his powerful right hand, as far as was possible in a mere creature. In the exaltation and glory of these and other mysteries, the child spoke to his mother, and she responded in words which are beyond the tongue of angels and beyond the conception of any other created being. To all this the heavenly lady attended without neglecting the care and comfort of her child, giving him nourishment at her breast three times a day, tenderly caressing him as a mother more attentive and loving than all other mothers, combined could be toward their children. 6.27 At other times she said to him, My sweetest and most beloved son, permit me to speak to thee and to manifest to thee my desires. Although thou, my lord, already knowest them, Permit me to be delighted in the sound of thy voice. Tell me, life of my soul, and light of my eyes, whether the labors of this journey are fatiguing thee, whether the rigors of the season of the weather cause the affliction, and what I can do for thy service and for thy relief. And the divine infant answered, All the labors, O mother, and all fatigue are most light and sweet to me, since I undergo them for the honor of my eternal Father, and for the instruction and redemption of men, especially in thy company. The child wept a few times, yet in great serenity and in the manner of a grown-up and perfect man. And immediately the loving mother sought the interior cause of these tears, finding it in his soul. She understood that they were tears of love and compassion for the salvation of men and caused by their ingratitude. In this sorrow and weeping, the sweetest mother imitated him. She was wont to answer his tearful plaints, like a compassionate turtle dove lovingly caressing and soothing him as his affectionate mother, and kissing him with matchless reverence. The fortunate Joseph often witnessed these divine mysteries and shared in some of the enlightenments, thus consoling himself for the hardships of the journey. At other times he would converse with his spouse as they journeyed along, asking her frequently whether she desired any service for herself or the child, or he would approach and adore the infant, kissing his feet and asking his blessing and sometimes taking him in his arms. By these little offices of kindness, the great patriarch sweetened his labors, being at the same time consoled and encouraged by his heavenly spouse. To all things she attended with a magnanimous heart, 
being hindered neither by her interior prayer nor by her exalted and fervent contemplation from attending to the corporeal affairs. For in all things she was most perfect. Instruction given by the Heavenly Mother and Mistress. 628. My dearest daughter, for thy instruction and imitation I wish in what thou hast written, that thou take as an example and an affectionate wonder, which the divine light caused in my soul at seeing my most holy son subject himself to the inhuman fury of wicked men, such as was shown by Herod in this occasion of our flight from his wrath, and afterwards by the perverse servants of the high priests and magistrates. In all the works of the Most High, his greatness, goodness, and infinite wisdom shine forth. But since my understanding, by means of the most exalted inspiration, penetrates so deeply into the very essence of God and the person of the Word united to the divinity, and since I knew that my most holy Son was the eternal, all-powerful, infinite creator and preserver of all things, and that this iniquitous king depended for his life and existence entirely upon this very beneficence, I was particularly struck with wonder to see the most sacred humanity pray and beseech his eternal Father to confer upon Herod at this very time enlightenment, help, and blessing, to see my son, who had it so much in his power, to punish him by his prayers, prevent the full measure of chastisement which he deserved. Although Herod's purpose was frustrated, yet this obstinate reprobate was visited with less chastisement than would have been given to him if my holy son had not prayed for him. All this and whatever else is contained in this matchless mercy and kindness of Jesus, I sought to imitate. For as a teacher, he taught me thus early what he afterwards inculcated by his actions, words, and example concerning the love of enemies. Matthew 5:44. When I perceive how he concealed and disguised his infinite power, and how being the invincible lion, he became a meek and humble lamb, Isaiah 5:29. Amidst the fury of ravenous wolves, my heart was overwhelmed and my faculties failed me in the ardent desire of loving him, imitating and following him in his love, charity, patience, and meekness. 6.29. This example I place before thee for thy constant imitation, so that thou mayest understand to what extremes thou must be willing to bear and suffer, forgive and love all who offend thee. For neither thou nor other creatures are innocent and without fault, and many are burdened with numerous and oft-repeated sins, by which they have merited all offenses and insults. Now, if persecutions afford thee the advantage of imitating him, why shouldst thou not esteem them as a great blessing? Why shouldst thou not love those who give thee occasion to practice the highest perfection? Why not thank them for this benefit and hold them not as enemies, but as benefactors, who afford thee a chance to obtain what is of so much importance for thy welfare? An account of the object lesson contained in this history, thou wilt not be without guilt, if thou fall short in this matter." For the divine light and all that thou perceivest and understandest through it is as it were before thy eyes, as in a living example. This concludes our reading today for day number 172. We've been reading from chapter 22 of volume 2, book 4, paragraphs 619 to 629. The desire of Our Lady is present in our reading today, that as they flee to Egypt, she knows she's leaving the area of Bethlehem, she knows she's not going to be able to visit the spot where Jesus was born for a good amount of time, and she wants to return there. I want us to think, maybe, is there a place in my life that I've visited that I want to return to time and again? I can think of many of the places I've visited. 
sitting in front of the grotto of Lourdes. It's a place I always have a great desire to return to. I visited another place in Spain recently and had very powerful experiences of prayer at the place of the purported apparitions. There's a shrine in the United States, I've talked about it before, the Shrine of Our Lady of La Leche. I love visiting that shrine and praying for couples who are in need. Our Lady wants to return because this place is so special to her. And certainly for us, there are those special places of spiritual grace as well. Discover them. Find that place in your life. Visit it as often as you are able. This desire of Our Lady, though, an angel tells her, it's not a good idea. You need to leave as quickly as possible. St. Joseph says the same exact thing. And so Our Lady says, let it be according to thy pleasure. It's the same response that she gave at the Annunciation. Let it be according to thy pleasure. Mary allowed those words, fiat, let it be, to be the guiding principle and movement of her entire life. Our Lady also had a great concern for St. John the Baptist. She wanted to send an angel to tell Elizabeth to hide the child because of the plans of Herod. And I've been to the Holy Land, and in fact, what we heard today, he warned her to see to the safety of St. John by hiding him in some place of refuge. If you visit the Holy Land, you'll see one of those caves. I have a beautiful image of St. Elizabeth and John the Baptist there, hiding in that place, indeed seeking their refuge. Finally, I was struck in today's reading also by the tears of the Lord Jesus. She understood that they were tears of love and compassion for the salvation of men and caused by their ingratitude. In this sorrow and weeping, the sweetest mother imitated him. That's why it's so important for us. You know, Father Michael Gately, one of his very first books he wrote was Consoling the Heart of Jesus. It's important for us to console Jesus for our own sins, our sins of ingratitude, whatever sins they are. Jesus weeps over them, just as he wept over Jerusalem. And Mary, imitating Christ, also weeps over our sinfulness as well. She came to La Salette. She cried, weeping over the sins of humanity and what could inflict the people. It's important for us to make small acts of reparation, to make up for the harm caused by sin. And finally, the fortunate Joseph often witnessed these divine mysteries. This comes right after the tears of Jesus and Mary. Joseph witnessed these divine mysteries and shared in some of the enlightenments, thus consoling himself for the hardships of the journey. I wonder what it was like for St. Joseph because he wasn't as privy to these things as Our Lady was. But yet he witnesses them, he sees them, and surely he tries to make sense of it all, taking comfort at times as we heard today. Maybe that's something to pray about too. What was it like for St. Joseph as he experienced all of these things taking place, the angelic visitations, these supernatural phenomena, witnessing the healings. We heard more healings that took place along this journey. 
What did St. Joseph make of it? I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the mystical city of God. I'm grateful you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you, and Mary pray for you.